Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This episode is supported by The Podcast Host. They've got all the knowledge and support that you need to get a podcast up and running. So if you're thinking of doing one for your business or your hobby or whatever, check them out. Use the promo code FREELANCE for 10% off as a link at beingfreelance.com. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for WordPress developer Lee Jackson. Becoming a freelancer, I think, is probably one of the bravest choices anyone can ever make because suddenly it is then just you and the book stops and starts with you. When I started as a freelancer, I knew I always wanted to think and talk in the way that I wanted to become. I wanted to transition into being an agency at some point. So I never talked about me and I. I always talked about we and us. I've honed my skills really by making epic mistakes for many years. I wasn't one of those people out there starting out an amazing business manager or anything. <laughs> I was one of those people who basically screwed up, screwed up, screwed up, screwed up. And then, oh, wait a minute, if I do this instead, this might work. And then boom. Hello, how you doing? Hope you're good. Don't forget, beingfreelance.com is the website. On Twitter, we are at beingfreelance as well. Beingfreelance.com is where you can find so many guests now. I've almost lost count. We're heading towards 70. That's a lot. A lot of conversations. Uh, Anyway, so go take a look. Beingfreelance.com and of course, subscribe on iTunes or wherever it may be so that you get it automatically downloaded each week. And if you enjoy it, please do share the love. Tell other freelancers that you might know about it or people thinking about going freelance. And if you you love it that much then how about giving us a review wherever you found us like itunes or whatever anyway uh let's crack on and chat to this week's guest that is lee jackson who's a freelance wordpress developer hey lee no it's lee Haley is a girl's name <laughs> <laughs> how often do you use that <laughs> like every day yeah and it never gets old so. um uh, so hello lee and hey. uh yeah thanks for doing this uh, you're gonna be trouble i can tell already so i'll yeah. try not to be Where, whereabouts are you based by the way in wellingborough where but you don't know where wellingborough? that is it's it's well if you're american i'd just say why well, it's near london <laughs> uh, and then you'd be all set but it's it's in it's in northamptonshire and we're about 15 minutes drive from northampton which you should have heard of excellent okay so let's get started hearing about how you got started being freelance all right well i, I guess then first kind of started freelancing Right back when I was 10 years old doing calligraphy. <laughs> so I was doing calligraphy for hire, nice uh, artistic uh, pieces. So that would be anything from wedding stationery, etc. So that was when I first had my first stint of trying to make some pocket money as a kid. Cool. And then the minute I was ready for a job... Uh, I have always freelanced on the side as a web developer. I went to college and did a drama because I absolutely love acting. I love drama. And um, on the side, instead of doing my coursework, was teaching myself how to build websites. <laughs> and then at that point, that's when I got a job and have therefore always been a web developer on the side, um, just building HTML sites originally. And then the day WordPress came out uh, about I don't know, 11, 12 years ago, I was just like, oh my gosh. This is the future, and it's been the future ever since for me. So what was your job if you were doing web development on the side? Well, originally I wanted to become an actor, uh, so you know that never happened, and I somehow got into IT. So I worked my way up from a lowly IT 
trainee right through up into IT manager eventually over uh, quite a few years, which was kind of cool because it meant that the, you know, learning lots of technology kind of complemented what I was doing on the side as a web developer. So building sites, mainly for friends and lo small local businesses. That's kind of the only sorts of sites I was building at the time. But being in IT was very helpful as well, because obviously I was learning how to servers work and how to build servers as well. So I was getting the benefit of, benefit of both worlds, really, coding and, and hardware. So at what point did you sort of like take the leap and just be full-time freelance? Well, I was lucky at that I actually got given a role in a company that was a it was a design agency and they needed to launch the digital wing. And I was doing some freelance for those guys on the side. So just building them a few websites here and there. And then they then said, well, why don't you join us full time, become a partner? So I actually became a partner of that business. So I really went from freelance very quickly to becoming a third of an agency owner. And that went really well for a few years. So I was essentially self-employed as it were through that agency for a good five or six years. And then, um, uh, kind of nearer the end of that stint, I was realizing there was less and less digital work for me to do. It was more administration and just doing all the sorts of stuff that I don't actually really enjoy, no coding. And eventually the agreement was about three years ago that I would um, would leave and, and go freelance again, and but become a full-time freelancer, which was freaking scary. Why was it scary though? Because by this point, surely you had the confidence that you'd you'd built up uh, business experience in that agency. You'd mm. you'd had loads of freelance clients, so presumably yep. word was spreading, and you had confidence in that way. Of course, it's uh, well. If you imagine, I've I've gone from being full time employed to then kind of risking things, joining an agency, being a third owner, but there was two other people. So you can kind of blame each other or you can kind of <laughs> rely on somebody else a little bit or when you're really busy, they can look after the sales process or they can keep someone off your back whilst you just need to do something. Becoming a freelancer, I think, is probably one of the bravest choices anyone can ever make because suddenly it is then just you and the book stops and starts with you. And it is the idea of it was exciting and scary all at the same time. And the fact that I knew I needed to produce the product and also maintain the pipeline. Whereas when I was in the agency, although there are risks and stress associated with business, you're sharing that workload. You know, somebody is looking after the pipeline whilst you're working on the product or vice versa. If, if it's their turn to be working on something, you can be maintaining the pipeline. So, you know, having the team actually, you know, I think relieves the pressure and, and going then full-time freelance. I knew I wanted to do it, but I was, I, I did put it off for at least a year before eventually said, you know what, sod it, I'm going to do this. By that point, were you like married? Did you have kids? Like what, cause there's a certain, it's easier in some respects when you don't have those kind of responsibilities. Uh, yeah, I decided that I was uh, mortgaged up, uh, fully married, two children, very, very scary. <laughs> that, that that's what added, I think, to the fear. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, most I, I started quite young. So, uh, you know, first child when I was seventeen, uh, second child when I was uh, twenty-one, I think, twenty-two, twenty-three. I don't know. Anyway, so um, you know, got, I got children out of the way a long time ago. So I've <laughs> everything I've done has pretty much included having children around. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So you've mentioned pipeline there. How did you go about getting those clients once you went freelance? Well, the first thing I did was went straight to people per hour because I've worked on 
places like what is now called Upwork, um, which I now for the life of me can't remember what it was called. Oh, Elance or that Odesk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Odesk. Oh, it was Odesk I was on and then yeah. they merged, didn't they? So Upwork. But so, yeah, I was on Elance. But the thing is, I just couldn't compete. You know, there's people on there who are charging ridiculously low prices for very technical skills. So I couldn't compete there. But people per hour seemed freaking amazing because you could you could do two things. I could sell an hourly, which means I could say, hey, I'll convert your design into a WordPress theme for X amount of pounds. Just click here to buy. Um, and people would do that, which is great. So it meant I meant a few hundred quid here or there. Uh, and the other thing I would do as well is bid on the projects on people per hour. And if you went into the work section, and I don't know if this is still the case because I've been on there for a while now, but you know, back in the day when I started, I was, I was actually bidding on projects where people were setting realistic um, budgets as well. So you had someone saying, I want a five-page web site powered by WordPress. I've got a budget of £2,000. I was like, um, well, now we're talking because I can bid on this. Whereas if I went into Elance um, at the time, you know, people were wanting the same for $100. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I just can't compete here. So yeah, that's where I actually found my target customers through, um, you know, and built up a bit of a portfolio through Elance and then kind of went off generating all the rest of my leads kind of historically now for the last two years through social media through social media so how have you gone about that uh by creating lots of valuable content um following people having a laugh uh, with those people <laughs> you know so tweeting at them following what they're talking about and just generating conversations really and to the point where you then bump into them at, at events like industry events etc build up more of a relationship they get to know what you do and before long you're having an email from someone saying oh you know you mentioned you do x y and z could you give us a quote on and then boom you, you've actually then generated a lead and then a client so most of our clients of late are all generated through connecting with them on social media with absolutely no agenda other than saying hey i really found that funny that you shared the other day etc and then just keeping myself on their radar and then eventually working out a way to physically meet them uh, you know if i know they're going to an event and i'm going to it then just making sure i you know we connect physically and there's something about that physical interaction then you know handshake a laugh a beer together or whatever and they kind of ask more questions about you uh, because I've not really volunteered anything about me at all other than being friends with them. And, you know, they become interested. And then once they know what you're up to, they kind of want, want to sample the merchandise, as it were. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now that I've said that out loud. <laughs> it's really cool. That, so, I mean, obviously, the, the world is a big place. So I take it that you're concentrating on like people who are local to where you are. Yeah, although um, I do have clients globally because a lot of the people that I'm connecting with tend to travel the world. So I'm quite lucky as in they'll usually end up being in England at some point. Uh, so I can just pop down to London. Like I said, when I say to people we're near London, we're like a 45 minute train journey to London. So I'm down there pretty much, you know, every few weeks and I can meet people there. So it's great. And, um, you know, we do plan on doing a stint in the USA next next year to meet a few uh, of the customers out there and to actually physically meet some of the people I'm, I'm in conversations with on social media out there in the USA and do a little bit of a tour. Um, but that would be our first trip. How how do you decide who who to um, approach or follow or you know like that interaction like because everybody is on there mm. on on Twitter for example how do you choose who to uh, to t target feels like the wrong word because it makes it but but let's say target 
Uh, yeah, well, I guess I don't necessarily target the business. I usually look for people that I want to work with. So people that potentially make me laugh, that seem quite cool, or that have some sort of a team. So my, I mean, just to put people in the picture, what I do is I specifically work with design agencies only. And what I do is I convert their design into a WordPress theme, uh, or I create WordPress plugins to add extra features that might be missing. Um, so my target audience is very specifically design agencies. So I'll be looking for people that either are a part of a de design agency or own a design agency to get to know and to build up relationships with. And then through social media, I'll be adding value to their lives. If I see they've got a question, uh, it's usually people who've got a question or people who are sharing something where we ha might have a common interest on, you know, which I'll then be able to spark up a conversation about whatever that thing is. And then that from that kind of spins a relationship, which then eventually leads to, you know, that leads... And the other way I'll stand out is through my podcast. Like you've got a podcast, I have a podcast too, which is exactly at my target audience. Um, and I'll share content with them on that as well, which is a great soft lead in. It'll be like, hey, you were talking about how to generate leads. I did a podcast on that, episode 34. Go and have a listen. Um, you know, And I'm not selling to them. I'm just letting them know there's some free content I made that might help them. And that's a, a really good inning as well. I was going to say, how have you found that? So this is the, the WP Innovator podcast. That is yeah. correct, yes. Yeah. So we'll put a link, beingfreelance.com, so you can uh, check it out. How have you found doing that? It, it's done on like a an, an interview kind of basis, isn't it? Well, most of them? It is. Most of them are interview, although I do like to mix it up because I'm trying to... I'm, it's, it's kind of a combination of doing interviews where, where you're learning... As the host, you're also learning from that person, which is great, as are the people who are listening. And also you're kind of piggybacking off their credibility as well because they're like, wow, Lee is getting to talk to X, Y, Z in the industry. This is pretty cool. Uh, but also what I've been doing more recently as well is I have been doing a few solo episodes where it is just me talking on particular subjects, adding value that way as well to, again, just kind of raise the credibility of me as also an influencer and a thought leader in the industry who does have an opinion and who does have information that's valuable to share. So I've kind of mixed it up um, in that way. The actual podcast itself, though... I think I think it's just having that podcast and providing some weekly valuable content has has been invaluable to the social media to what we do in social media. Originally it was just we were creating a blog and that's all well and good but not everybody reads a blog but a lot of people find podcasts a hell of a lot easier to consume because they can go out for a run and listen to me having a laugh with someone on an interview and instantly it's credibility raising they're listening to my content more regularly they feel like they have a relationship with me because there's a voice going on there in there as well and before you know it you know these people are then joining the Facebook group or tweeting at me etc and these are all my target audience you know we've got 5 to 600 regular listeners now who are each one of them could be my client, which is amazing. I mean, not all of them are. That would be also amazing. But, uh, <laughs> that would <laughs> be, be overwhelming. Having, yeah. It would be, uh, yes. Yeah, we'd be having um, another interview about how I had a breakdown. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, it, it's just been invaluable because it's allowed me to create an audience. It's um, uh, from that audience and from the guests, I've produced leads and they've become customers. But also when I meet new people who don't even know about the podcast, but then they see what I'm doing in the industry, you know, it's, it makes me stand out from any other WordPress developer that they know of and instantly, you know, boosts the credibility in an epic way. Um, so I, 
I wish I'd done the podcast earlier, to be honest. I kept putting it off for months. Yeah, man, that's good to hear. I tell you what, it's it's clearly an apt point for me to point people in the direction of the uh, supporters of this show who are the podcast host. Uh, they are specialists in getting podcasts up and running. In more than that, in getting podcasts hosts up and running. So right now you might be thinking of uh, starting your own podcast, but you don't really know where to start, be it technically or in the content or putting it together, like how to create it, how to publish it to the world. They have all manner of knowledge that they can share with you through their courses, but also in their mentorship groups and support networks and stuff like that. Um, they can even technically take all the technical bits off your uh, hands. They can edit it. They can publish it. They can help you create the website and the artwork and all of that. Really, if you're thinking about doing it, they're well worth checking out. Use the promo code FREELANCE to get 10% off. And thanks to them for supporting the show uh, for another week. You can find their details at beingfreelance.com. Um, back to you, Voli. And I just want to rewind slightly because you've spoken a lot about we and you. You know, they come to us. And it's obvious that you've taken a step from freelancer towards more of an agency model right yes so we're, we're much more like an agency now although i gotta be honest right from the get-go as a freelancer i've always had other people involved so i what i did when i when i started as a freelancer i knew i always wanted to think and talk in the way that I wanted to become. I wanted to transition into being an agency at some point. So I never talked about me and I. I always talked about we and us, even when it was just me on my own. But then I always got people involved, even in the early projects, based on their skills and expertise. So I know other freelancers who are really good at jQuery or at PHP or something that I'm not as great at. So instead of me spending hours busting my balls trying to make something i get someone else to help me on certain aspects where i'm weak so that i can get projects quickly delivered and i got more time as a freelancer to be concentrating on my pipeline and generating other leads so i've always operated as a mini agency but without the full-time staff um obviously being considered by the other people as a freelancer because it was just me on my own without a limited company or anything but then you know slowly over time i've then transitioned it into more of an agency model where people now understand that it's me and a team of you know full-time staff and some part-time contractors you've kept your your name though as part of that company so it's it's still very personal despite it being because it's lee jackson dev isn't it Exactly. So that was the name we started off with, Lee Jackson Dev. I, that used to be my username for everything. <laughs> <laughs> so it just became, I think it was my username for Upwork or something. So then it just became my company name just by accident. And it's funny you should mention that because we are targeting a different type of client now, we have literally just sent a whole load of feedback to Phil Palin, who is helping us rename the business. So uh, Phil Palin was at the NMEU conference, uh, and me and him hit it off really, really well. And uh, he's been doing some work with us to help us kind of transition from the kind of the, the freelance idea that people still have of us and trying to convert us into more of an agency look and feel so that we can then capture some of the bigger US clients that we're after. Interesting. So you're going to be changing that name. Indeed. Although it's actually, I mean, in theory, the name the name could probably work for the next 300 years, to be honest. It's not a terrible name, as though I'm not exactly in love with it either. But it's the idea with my name in it, it can 
seem that you know it gives the impression of a, a one-man band sometimes mm. with the lee jackson dev so i do feel like it is time you know now that i've got some full-time staff i feel perhaps it is time to make it less about me in the name i can still be everywhere in the podcast and on the website that's all fine but you know actually start to transition into a company name and make it an agency as such so it's still so, so i mean we still kind of operate like freelancers even now you know, it, we feel like a freelance agency, as it were, like one freelancer wrapped up in several people. But yeah, we, we do feel like it's time to explore a name change. So whether or not we go with a new name, I don't know yet, but we're paying someone for some advice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to see what to do next, really. <laughs> and I should say, um, Phil was on our freelance panel, like the live episode that we did this, Phil Palin. So you can go and listen to that at beingfreelance.com and uh, hear a little bit of his story as well. Oh, it's um, so cool. So you've mentioned um, full-time staff. I mean, that's like another... I mean, I, it's funny because obviously you had experience of kind of owning an agency mm. uh, before you went freelance and effectively started your own agency. But still, that point where you're not just taking on a freelancer when the project comes along, but rather taking on a full-time member of staff, how did that feel? Uh, again, scary. Uh, I, I think pretty much everything I do in my life feels absolutely petrifyingly <laughs> scary. Um, but I do take comfort in the fact that Walt Disney, for absolutely years, his biggest stress was paying his, uh, you know, the payroll every every month. And it was the thing that kept him up at night. And he was like a poor millionaire for years trying to get it right. You know, uh, every month was, uh, you know, was three more days till the end of the month and I've got to pay all these people and these invoices haven't been paid sort of stress. So, you know, if he had it on such a big level, then it kind of makes it feel a bit less scary for me only having two or three people on the payroll. But (laughs) still, I mean, it is still a scary thing, especially when it comes to the end of the year and everyone's expecting some sort of pay increment, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you still have to manage the cash flow and all these other things that are flying around. So it's quite stressful. But the payback is that I'm able to take on a lot more work now. And everybody who works for the business works per month on more um, than their salary, if that makes sense. So, you know, they're all earning their keep, which is amazing. So that is obviously very helpful to my stress levels. Yeah. How have you developed your business skills Maybe it's all just come perfectly naturally. Maybe it's not. Um, the best way I learn is by doing. That's why I was terrible at school and left with only a few GCSEs and I've never really done... I even flunked drama school. I just I just walked out eventually <laughs> because I'm not a learner who will be told what to do or be given things in a textbook. So I've honed my skills really by, by making epic mistakes um, for many years And also, I've been taught how not to manage by a series of horrible managers in my old jobs. So I think a combination of working with some not nice people in jobs, which have helped me figure out who I don't want to be, Mm. and then making some epic mistakes over the last six or seven years, and you've got to have a few epic fails, I think, to learn from, has really helped nowadays me be a far more well-grounded person. I can say no to people now, which I never used to be able to do. I can be absolutely bold about my pricing. And if somebody says I'm too expensive, I don't drop the price to try and win them. I just say, that's fine. Let's just all move on. You know, things like that I was never able to do. And, you know, made a lot of mistakes, took on a lot of projects, made no money, lost money, in fact, because of fear, etc. So I think it's taken a long time. So I definitely, I wasn't one of those people out there 
you know, starting gate, an amazing business manager or anything. <laughs> I was one of those people who basically screwed up, screwed up, screwed up, screwed up. And then, oh, wait a minute, if I do this instead, this might work. And then boom. Yeah. So those mistakes, like, have, have you just scratched the surface on them? So you mentioned pricing, for example. What, what other challenges <laughs> well, did you find? Pr- pricing. I mean, pricing is a great one anyway. Uh, just the fact that, you know, I think originally I was charging 150 pounds and it was like a week's worth of work. I'm like, what an idiot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, because I was thinking, oh, I need to charge 10 pounds an hour and it's going to take me so long, you know, because I was thinking in that mindset because I'd come from a job and and being a freelancer with a job on the side, you can charge peanuts because you've got a job. So that pays the bills and you don't mind working for peanuts. But when I would then switched into being a full-time freelancer on my own, I still started out with a ridiculously low price. So that was my that was definitely my first mistake. And then the other mistake was taking on projects with a very limited spec. So as in a very limited brief from the client, oh, we want it to do this. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And then gave them a, you know, quote finger in the air sort of quote and then suddenly realized I'd been working for six months on one of the most complicated builds ever and someone again was not paying very much for this and they were getting cross with me and I was feeling hard done to etc so you know all those sorts of things kind of boiled up to to help me become the person I am now which is a much more expensive and well-grounded individual who still struggles with fear on a daily basis but hopefully I'm able to kind of overcome it. Yeah. When did you make the realisation that your client, because you said, you know, I have a niche client, I I aim at design and web agencies, I think is what you said. Mm. When did that realisation come? Because I presume there might have been a point where you, you know, it could be any business. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll build you a website. I'll build you a website. Uh, well, the, the main point was when I was on my own, uh, sorry, when I was in a job, I was all things to all men. And then when I went into the agency... We were an all things to all men agency. And then we then realized that if we specialized and we specialized in the events industry, they'd already or always specialized in the events and, and exhi- exhibition industry, but they'd always tried to then still maintain a all things to all men kind of vision. So over time, we realized that as an agency, if we focused on that one events industry, we will probably generate more business, etc. So from that, when I then went freelance, I knew that I needed to start out as a freelancer who had a very specific industry in mind. So my first stint as a freelancer on the side, all things to all men, I was doing anything from charity websites to golfing websites to you name it. When I then did Freelance Mark II, I was literally only going for design agencies and you know that was my target market. And because of being in the agency, I was the digital guy in the in that old agency. I was kind of, that's all I did anyway. All I was doing was being the digital guy for that agency, converting designs, doing that sort of thing anyway and giving them advice as a, as the digital guy in the agency. So it made sense for me just to take those skills and become that digital agency for hire kind of guy. You know, just plugly into whichever agency you need and he'll advise you on WordPress and he'll do your WordPress builds for you. And that's kind of where it went from there. So it was the second time around as a freelancer and having that target audience made it a hell of a lot easier. I like that on your uh, on your homepage, isn't it? Your agency's digital department. Exactly. It's a, yeah, it's a really nice phrase. So you mentioned having a family. 
albeit I, I don't know how old you are now, but many years ago, by the sounds of it. 34. Um, 34. Okay, so your kids are, <laughs> now my maths is bad, in secondary school and stuff. Uh, well, one are of they? them is in secondary school. Yeah, yeah. One of them has just left secondary school. She's she's 16 and freaking awesome. And the other one is 10. So, uh, so she's still rocking school. So how have you sort of balanced, you know, there's the whole work-life balance thing, but you know, how how do you work it? Do you have an office? Do you work from home? You, you know, all of these kind of things. I'm thinking. Well, I'll be honest, very badly. <laughs> <laughs> when you hear these entrepreneurs and they talk about like work-life balance and, and all that sort of stuff, it is achievable, but it takes a freaking long time. Um, you know, so nowadays, a lot better. But when I first started, I was working 18 to 20 hour days. Um, at one point, my dad passed away and I had actually meant to have gone to go and see him that weekend. Um, but I was just too busy working and filling my time with work. So, and, and not seeing my kids that much for, you know, a good year, the first year of freelancing. So at that point when dad died, I was like, oh my gosh, something has got to change. I need to, I need, I need to change this. And that was kind of where I pivoted on things like pricing and outsourcing more of the work rather than trying to do everything. Um, by kind of by that pivot, by getting more people involved as other freelancers and obviously upping the pricing, that has then enabled me really to work nine to five now. So I strictly work nine to five uh, as a as a freelancer and as now an agency and I'll only work an evening if it's something that's you know there's a there's a deadline that I've got to get live and I might have to work the odd evening but that will be rare uh, because I try and make kind of five o'clock onwards the time where I go home and cook a meal for the family and we all sit down and eat together and you know we maybe watch tv or go out somewhere etc and the weekends again you know they're religiously free from work um you know i'll keep them totally aside for family now so uh, that's been great for the last couple of years just making sure that you know from five o'clock on onwards in the evening and weekends i am not working you know unless i absolutely have to and again that's kept to the absolute minimum yeah. Office wise, um, I've always had an office at the back of the house. I was very lucky uh, that my uncle Joe gave us some money before he passed away. Lots of people dying in this story. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, he, before he passed away, he gave us some money uh, to put a little office at the back of our house. So so I worked there a lot, which was great because I was able to work in there and then close the door in the evening and walk through the kitchen and I'd commuted to home and <laughs> was no longer thinking about work. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, I then rented an office space um, because obviously I had an apprentice at the time um, just behind our church uh, that we go to. So I'm actually being talking to you from that office now. So I mainly do my work here, um, you know, with the team and um, rarely work at home now. How have you found it, like move, moving out from the home office into a, a real one? In great, because I've now marks. got a man cave at home, which is great. <laughs> so I, I was sat in there a couple of days ago watching Deadpool. That was brilliant with my feet up drinking beer. Uh, so that's nice to have a man cave at home, which I can still work in if I need to. And I do do some time. I do a lot of podcasts in there, actually, because it's an, a nice little small room. So good acoustics. Um, but working here is great because it means I can leave 
all my paperwork here, the letters from the government come here. Even if you're a freelancer and you're going to get those self-assessment letters, aren't you? And that, I don't know if, if I'm the only one, but whenever I see something that says inland revenue on it, <laughs> I get a horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach and, and anxiety. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's this? At least now they all come to the office. So if they arrive on a Saturday, I'm not freaking out for the entire weekend thinking, <laughs> oh crap. So I don't know why I get that. It's just this feeling of, oh, that something's been messed up on my accounts and I probably owe a million pounds. Very few good things come out of a brown envelope. I think that's the... <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, there you go. That's the motto for the day. Now, I always do this thing where I ask you for three facts about yourself, two true, okay. one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. Um, what have you got for me? Okay. Well, the first one then is that during my stint in the... Um, agency, I actually created some software based on WordPress that allowed you to run your entire event through WordPress. And that has to date powered over 1,200 event websites. Mm. Mm. Is he lying? Is he truthing? We don't know. Also, (laughs) back in 1983... The Canadian medical establishment were super excited slash scared because I was presumed to be the first recorded case of Ritter's disease since 1929. And everyone was in quite a panic. And thankfully, it turned out that I was just allergic to penicillin. Um, But hey, you know, for a while, I was nearly famous. And then, (laughs) as you know, I've always been into acting and... I have pursued it with passion, gone to loads and loads of auditions, etc., and was actually had a very small walk-on part on EastEnders a very long time ago. And my line was, and the boots and all. And I can't even remember why it was that, but that was the line. So there you go. Wow. You were on EastEnders and you said, and the boots and all. Exactly. In a really crappy Cockney accent. Can you, like, who were you in the scene with? I don't know. I didn't know anyone. I didn't watch EastEnders. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so just like some, some kid at the market kind of I was thing, just, just like, Mummy, I want to go to this. I want to do that. Yeah, so like be, being the good mum, she pushed me onto all these auditions and uh, boom, that's my only TV part I ever had. Oh, and it was when you were a kid as well. Yeah, so um, I don't even know what EastEnders was. I don't, even, I don't even know what the context of and the boots and all is. <laughs> 1983. That, that one is so brilliantly specific that you mm-hmm. thought you were, and you were presumably on holiday in Canada. No, I was born there, mate. Oh, you so, were? Yeah, how, I'm oh, Canadian. Right. When, when did you move over here? Uh, 1985. Oh, there right. You go. So, okay. Yeah, so I was three. Oh, right. Okay, well, that sounds true as well, doesn't it? Software. Well, the software, the thing with the software one, and please don't take this to heart, it is such a potentially boring fact. Mm-hmm. Why would you make that up? Hmm. But, like... If you if your imagination could say anything, wouldn't it say the other two? Okay, I don't think you've been in EastEnders. You're bloody well right. Yes! <laughs> I thought I did a really good light there. I thought I was pretty good at that. You did. I, I almost convinced myself. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I've, you're never, quite... I've never been in any audition and my mum was never a pushy mum, but I thought I did pretty well in there. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's cool about the Canada one. Well, yeah. not not for you were sick. But, no, but, yeah, nearly died. That's so cool, eh? <laughs> but it's still a cool fact to uh, to, over, to have overcome. It's a good one because everyone thinks that's a lie usually. So, uh, no, nice. that's, that's a truth. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? 
Um, quadruple your prices. That'll be it. Plain and simple. You're gonna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I could I could put more words around that. Like quadruple your prices would be the first thing I'd say, and then I would say get out of that mindset of it only takes me three hours to do this. It actually takes you three hours plus the 20 years of experience that you've had. Yeah, so true. And that is what can really sound sounded like was you were struggling with, you know, when you didn't have enough time was because you were thinking in the hourly. Exactly. I was thinking hourly and I devalued myself right down to being someone for hire per hour. And it didn't help as well because I spent a lot of time on Elance and things on there are a lot of that is about hours and working for hours and competing at a low hourly rate. You know, I had devalued myself to that mindset. I wasn't thinking, actually, my skills are worth two grand to a client because they don't know how to build a WordPress website and get it live and make it freaking awesome. That would Mm. take them years to learn how to do that because it took me years to do that. Therefore, it is worth two grand. It's not worth 150 pounds because I think I'm worth 10 pounds an hour and I'm going to spend a day on it. That's just ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm hitting myself across the head, stupid younger Lee. <laughs> Lee, it's been so good to talk to you. Um, check out beingfreelance.com uh, where you can find out loads of other guests. Get that live episode as well that I mentioned earlier on and link through to Lee's podcast. I mean, you'll find it, of course, Yay. if you search on iTunes or whatever it might be as well at mm-hmm. WP Innovator Podcast. Anyway, thank you so much, Lee. Cheers for your time. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. I would normally finish by saying all the best being freelance, but all the best being the kind of boss that you've decided to be. Which is hopefully a nice one. (laughs) 